your source for Virginia Sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, August the 12th. We have no uh, no baby announcements to make uh, this evening. Um, man, do we have lots to talk about. <laughs> um it's so funny to me because not that long ago, it kind of felt like we would be on sort of autopilot for a while, and then we would get to sort of, um, let me rephrase, we would ha- be like searching um, for stuff for a while, and then we would be on autopilot, right? We'd get close to the season, and we'd start talking about position groups, who's going to be QB1, and we'd have all this stuff, and we still have a lot of stuff. It's just not necessarily the stuff I expected to have. Uh, I mentioned to them the other week, or the other, God, that was that last night? Um, it felt in March like the NCAA tournament had to die so college football could live, and now it's like, what are we doing? Um, but anyway, we're going to at least briefly touch on Virginia's schedule since uh, that actually got released. God, that feels like a month ago. Uh, that actually got released after we recorded last week's show. So we'll touch a little bit on this, you know, I don't want to call it mythical because it, it is a thing that's supposed to happen. Um, but it certainly feels like the chances of it happening are dwindling greatly. Um and then we will get into just sort of what the last few days have been like. Um, the comparisons to March are are apt, and uh, I don't know about them, but I'm certainly feeling it. Um, and we'll talk about sort of where things um, are. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, man? <laughs> it's good. Yeah, We're in the torrential rain and flooding portion of 2020 up here in the Shenandoah Valley. Um, because, you know, two normal days in a row can't happen this year. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> Apparently there's a school board meeting Dave's excited to yeah. go to tomorrow night. Um, up in, uh, um, oh my gosh, I almost said Alexandria. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber. I've never, ever I know. Lived it's there. the It's the Northern Virginia A-words, dude. I don't know. Um, staff writer Justin I know, it's, I know. I mean, I was. I only mentioned it because it was funny, not because I was yeah. literally getting ready to say it. Uh, Ferber's on the program. What's up, dude? You know. I think actually, now that you mention it, sport uh, um, school board meetings might actually just be the new sports. Like, <laughs> Could be. It's Could like, be. Hey, are you gonna like tailgate a little bit for that? Um, yeah. go get I think you it's some, gonna be closed. Go get you some yeah. chicken wings. Be watching on the Zoom like everything else. They'll have in some, they'll, yeah, they'll have some like fake people in the crowd yelling. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place to in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. All right, let's start with the schedule. Again, ca- full caveat that, like, listen, we run a podcast that focuses on UVA sports. There's an ACC schedule that got released. We, there are games now with dates. we got to at least talk about it briefly before we get into Armageddon. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to take you by the hand <laughs> and lead you along here. Uh, in what has been the last week. It's almost like we're like John Oliver in the whole last week tonight where like by the time Sunday comes, it's not just that like whatever happened, you know, in the week that he was doing it. It's like literally what happened in the last six hours. Um, that's kind of the way this sort of feels. So Virginia is going to get VMI presumably um, on September 11th. Um, and then uh, from there we'll get to go to Blacksburg. Um, so I still can't wrap my mind around it. They'll get a bye. Then they get to go to Clemson before they get – um, NC State at home, then they'll go to Wake Forest and to Miami before they get three home games in a row and then an open date. They get Carolina, Louisville, Duke. They close out with um, Florida State on the road and then at, excuse me, with BC coming to Charlottesville uh, on December the 5th, presumably if this thing actually happens. Um, I mean, on some level, 
I look at the schedule and I think that kind of looks manageable. Like you, you get the Clemson thing out of the way early. It's weird to finish with BC. It's weird to have Tech early. Um, those three home games um, between Christmas, sorry, Halloween, Christmas, Halloween, and um, um, the middle of November are obviously pretty important. I, I don't, I don't expect us to go too long on this, but I do want to kind of talk about it for a minute. Ferber, what um, if you can think back to a year ago, last week when uh, when the schedule was was out and, and things were fun? Um, what did you what did you think of the draw that UVA got? <laughs> yeah uh it's kind of hard to just like think about that. i was like i didn't even know where you were gonna go to lead the show off and then i was like oh yeah schedule that's right there's games there um yeah interesting i mean i, I think that as i said last week i didn't really understand the purpose of the plus one at this point um vmi especially isn't very competitive but it does the fact that it's week one makes more sense because like i said last week like you kind of use it as a de facto preseason game, and then you get Tech Week 2. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think everything, you know, you mentioned the Tech being at the top of the schedule is weird. I mean, the whole thing is weird. What's not weird about it? Um, going to, you know, Tallahassee for Thanksgiving, ending the season in December against Boston College. Like, you know, it's just the whole thing is weird. Um, I don't think there's anything in that draw specifically that made me think like, oh, that's that's a bad break. Um, maybe tech in week two, you could consider that a bad break. Uh, it just depends on like what you think of the two teams. Um, I think having them after VMI is a pretty good break. Um, and then it seems like your tougher games are a little bit broken up. So, I mean, it's not a perfect schedule by any means like the buy before Clemson. I don't think really matters. Um, I'd, I'd rather probably have that somewhere else because I think that game is a, a loss anyway. So, um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's it's fine. I mean, it's pretty much what we expected. Um, there were some other teams that kind of had like murderers rows of week after week of tough games, and you can't pad them with non-conference games now. So there's really not a lot of room to hide for anyone. But I think UVA's schedule is about as manageable as you could expect. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, if you look at it, I, I mentioned the the bye week before Clemson, and the simple fact, like, if you're gonna try to win it, like having the bye weeks. <laughs> probably a, a nice advantage but oh yeah it definitely doesn't hurt yeah for sure but realistically like as you're but, but Clemson also has one so <laughs> yeah there's that um I thought as I looked at it that it was fairly balanced I thought that you know like you you get Carolina and Louisville and Duke right there together um at home which is fun um but at the same time like those are teams you play every year it's kind of unfortunate that you didn't get like NC State and then Carolina, and then you know what I'm saying. Like that would have been fun. But I mean, realistically, like if you look at it, it's not. It 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 seems challenging in the sense that all football would seem challenging, but not especially challenging. Um, I, I'm I'm not as sold, especially now with guys opting out. I'm not as sold on UVA's road schedule being this like really difficult thing that needs to be, um, you know, conquered. You know, like it's not this like Goliath the way that it sort of was described you know, the day that the, the model came out. Uh, Dave, what are, what were your thoughts again, a year ago last week when we, uh, when this thing came out? Yeah. I mean, about the same as you guys. If this was a typical year, but like, holy crap, we're playing way too many ACC games. Um, you know, I'm okay. Sorry, Virginia. You know, if you're going to play Virginia tech week two is probably fine. I think it for the players, like, you know, obviously, 
the asterisks the asterisks in this discussion exist but for the players going through all they're going through like you know social distancing and the bu- the quasi bubble they're in i'm sure it makes it a little easier if you know your your first big opponent is virginia tech um so for them it's probably a shot in the arm to get through this stuff vmi week one yeah but just like justin said it, it's you can almost treat it like a spring game um, no disrespect to to old scotty Walkenheim over there but um you know, Virginia would have to really uh, shoot themselves in the foot to, for that game to be competitive for much more than a quarter or two. If that game is competitive at all in the second half, then yeah. they, they should cancel the season. Yeah, they really should. Um, so, I mean, it's front a little front-loaded on the away games, as Bronco talked about. But, you know, if there was a year to be front-loaded on the away games, it's probably this one. Um, I, I don't see – like it's a tough schedule just because Clemson's in it. Um, I don't I think I said last week, like I don't get the hubbub about people freaking out about having Florida State and Miami on the road. Um, like you, you'd rather play someone who wasn't Florida State and Miami, you know, if there were lesser teams you could choose from. Um, but yeah, it, it's fine. It, I'll be fine. Like I'd be happy to play it just because that means we played. That means we played. One quick question on the league as a whole. Uh, Pitt, poor Pitt. Um, that's a really rough draw if that happens. Um, they get they get both of their bye weeks basically after you know essentially from November on. One of them is the last week of the season. Um, <laughs> they got to go to Boston College and then to Miami. Um, <laughs> and then Chris two. Peaks over there, Chris Peak from our rival site is like, well, if they're in contention for the ACC championship, they'll have a week off to see what happens. And yeah. I was like, why would you give people that hope? I know, I know, that's fun. Um, all right, let's. Uh, that that's I think that's sufficient. Not not what we expected it to be last week, but certainly what it's going to have to be this week. All right. Um, so let's start. <laughs> I guess let's start the discussion here. I personally feel like the ACC is doing something that's different from what they were doing in March. In terms of when the when the when the ball started rolling, the ball kept rolling quick when it came to canceling the conference tournaments, right? The ACC sort of putting out a statement and saying like, "Hey, we we we've got protocols in place that we trust. You know, we're we're listening to the advice of our medical board. Um, we're going to move forward, um, but we need to remain flexible." I was a little bit surprised that that's the route they took, in the sense that like, it just felt like doomsday in a way. Uh, I'm curious to get your reactions to the last few days with the Big Ten and Pac-12 canceling. Uh, the Big Twelve seeming to be on the brink. Um, but not quite yet. The SEC and the ACC trying to hold strong. It's, it seems like. How do we feel? Um, is how much does optimism trail right now, Dave? <laughs> how much? How much does opt, How many points is, is optimism down right now? It's probably down like eleven. <laughs> you know, um, but I'm a, I'm a little surprised by the way everything transpired. You know, especially after there was you know some some pushback on the on the way the conferences announced they were going conference only. I thought we'd see a more unified response, especially from the Power Fives. Um, he, you know, it, when, the ACC, when the ACC tournament was canceled, it was, you know, they were already playing games. They didn't have time to sit back and look. So I, I do think maybe the, you know, the Pac-12 and, and Big Ten were a little, a little quick to make the decision, um, especially if the other conferences were, weren't ready to make it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's their prerogative to do so in the way the NCAA is structured right now. But, it's just surprising to me. Like I think you do have time to figure out where things are. 
Um, I understand students are starting to come back on campus. So if, if you don't think you're going to play, you know, may, maybe you want to go ahead and end it just so you can make the players safer. I guess I, I, I guess you really can't. Their students are already coming back. So I, I don't quite understand the rush for them to call it. Um, if they're all this concerned, I don't see why you can't say, hey, let's just push everything back to the end of September and just, you know, come up with a unified response here. I, I do think, yeah, I'm a little surprised the ACC is one of the three school, you know, three Power Five conferences still kind of hanging on. Um, but you know, especially because you know, football is not the bread and butter for the ACC. You know, the Big Ten walked away from a lot of TV money. I don't know how that's going to work out. Them making the decision that quick was shocking to me. I think ultimately all of people make the same decision, but it just seems weird and unnecessary for them to kind of announce and have this have this weird like schism between the power five conferences. Um, I mean, hopefully if anything comes of this, it'll be like, you know, the member schools have to come up with, they've got to figure out a way to have you know, a more unified approach to everything. Um, you know, we, we've seen that before, but I think this has just underscored how, how crazy the system that generates so much revenue is like, there's just no central leadership. Yeah. The problem of course, with this, with the system is that it is predicated on, <laughs> Well, it's predicated on, um, you know, student athletes who, who who can't be compensated or have you know any sort of you know unionized voice. Yeah. I, I think that one thing that has that has, um, but it's also predicated. Sorry, I didn't finish the thought. It's also predicated on people being close to each other, right? Like people have to play sports; they got to be close to each other. Fans got to spend money; they got to be sitting next to each other. Um, you know, they're going to be there enjoying themselves, tailgating next to each other. You know, it's a, it's. It's just another, you know, we've talked about this in the past in terms of just talking about the, the pandemic, you know, like this thing has tentacles. And when you start breaking down, like it's not just like, oh, this university is not going to get this money from the TV deal. It's also all of the people surrounding it, you know, whether that's media, whether that's, you know, you know, folks who clean, right, folks who cater like the, it, it is incredible when you think about the number of ways that different things extend out from themselves. Um, now personally, I think that the schism, you know, between like the smaller conferences, I think a lot of that's driven by the fact that like these other, these other conferences just do, don't have the resources to be able to, to, to test, to be able to really put, uh, their student athletes in the right, um, spot as best you can. I have, I found it fascinating, um, in, I think it was data that I want to say Louisville did and Virginia Tech did, or maybe it was Miami and Virginia Tech did, where they, they sort of went back and looked at the film of their practices and tried to figure out like the best the best ways for them to essentially distance. And then they actually found that a lot of their stuff, you know, in terms of their practices, they weren't um, they actually weren't like face to face essentially. Now, granted, contact sport is going to have contact by nature, um, but I kind of feel I'm of the mindset that. Um, that a lot of the smaller um, conferences or what have you, you know, different schools, there were just a lot of different factors that ultimately they couldn't achieve. I feel like the ACC, the SEC, they both want to play, but also to like for them, nothing has changed. I think the big 10 presidents, it seems like, like it was almost like that cart got way out in front of the horse. And once they realized what was happening, um, I don't think that they like got a medical report and all of a sudden realized that COVID nineteen was bad. Um, I just think that they finally started paying attention. What do you think, Ferber? How, how how what's the last 
few days been like, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think that part of it is, I mean, and I think, you know, nobody really cares about this part of the podcast, but I think it's necessary to say that there's a lot of people like nationally who are doing some really great reporting right now, or at least have good sources because, you know, we're getting a lot of clarifications on like who is making the decisions because I would have assumed that like the athletic directors, the coaches and the, and the commissioner would make a call on football. And really it comes down to presidents and chancellors, which makes sense. And it seems to me, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out, but it seems to me like the, the, presidents, chancellors, et cetera, in the Big Ten specifically, and maybe a little bit in the Pac-12 as well, were much more ready to cancel, just like ready to do it, than than coaches and athletic directors and so on. I mean, you have a school in Nebraska who released a statement after their conference canceled football, seemingly with their, you know, like they were involved in that decision, whether they approved it or not. Um, and they basically were like, we don't agree with it. So, and then you have other like coaches at Ohio State and and other places who have outright spoken out and said, you know, like we don't want to cancel yet, or you know, we we still want to play, or we want to figure out what we can do, whatever. Um, I think that uh, what you said about the smaller conferences is spot on. Like the MAC and all those conferences canceling, that doesn't really mean anything because they couldn't afford to test. It costs so much money, and then when they're not getting the buy games from the conferences that aren't playing non-conference games. And for the Mac specifically, a lot of those games are against Big Ten schools, um, and they're not playing any out-of-conference games, or they weren't going to. So, I mean, a lot of the revenue was out the door. There's no ticket sale money coming in. And then you have to pay basically all the money that you would make to test. You know, you can understand why they wouldn't want to play on top of all of the actual risk with the virus. So I think that the Big Ten's interest specifically is um, – this might sound bad, but I think part of it is uh, I think they want to be on the right side of it and like first because they were the first to cancel basketball. Um, they were the first to announce that they were going to alter their conference schedules back in July or whenever it was and that, you know, and, and do conference only instead of play their non-conference games. Um, the Pac-12 is always aligned with that league because, you know, they have the tie in with the Rose Bowl and, and they kind of consider themselves like attached at the hip or whatever. Um I'm not surprised that the other leagues are continuing on for now. I would say that I still expect them to cancel at some point just because that's just I can see which way the wind blows. Um, and I, I think – but what I, I don't necessarily think that their approach is wrong to wait. I think that they're just being a little bit more optimistic about what's going to happen, and they want to see what happens when students come back to campuses and so on and so forth and see if maybe it's doable – you know, what's probably happening is something along the lines of the Big Ten is saying, like, we have all this liability, we have all this risk, it's not worth it to proceed, let's just cancel. And they canceled. The ACC is getting that same information, but what they're saying is, well, there's still a 15% chance we can play. So let's try to, like, exhaust that option before we, you know, go the other direction. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 might look really smart in two weeks when everybody has canceled, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't really blame the other three leagues for trying. Um, as long as it's not like, you know, unless they're just absolutely ignoring damning medical reports or whatever that, that the other conferences have, have seemingly taken in. But I mean, we talked about it last week. There is no uniformity in this sport. 
when things are going well, nobody really notices it. But when things aren't going well, you can kind of see it. And even with basketball, I think the ACC was like, oh, well, why are they taking so long to cancel? They only canceled a few hours after the Big Ten did. I mean, it was just everything was happening so fast. I mean, you can't really blame them for waiting an extra hour to cancel, right? <sighs> I don't like this at all, guys. I don't, <laughs> I don't like this, man. It feels like March all over again, but like in a slower time frame. And like, I don't know about you guys, but I, I have been, and maybe this is a, maybe this is cathartic for not just us, but for everybody, dude, I have been holding fast to playing football, you know, to being able to go to football games, cover football games, some sense of normalcy for so long. Now, listen, I'm not going to ever advocate that, um, that a sport should be put in front of people's safety, right? Like that's just dumb. And that's not a thing I'm going to do. Um, I personally for the longest time thought, yeah, but it'll be okay because football will be here. Now, maybe part of that's my job, right? Part of it is the fact that for months and months and months, it was nothing but recruiting stuff and there's no visits. So what are you doing? And Virginia, you know, credit to them. And I appreciate the fact that the recruiting, you know, was picking up and there was plenty of stuff to talk about. And, um, you know, our podcast was essentially like, man, this is crazy. The world is nuts. Um, I didn't expect to keep having that podcast. So like, there's a part of me professionally that wants football for obvious reasons. Side note, if I, I don't know any people in media who don't want them to play, they would love, everybody would love for them to play. Many people I know in, in roles like mine have lost their job because they're not going to play this or they're not playing that. Um, if you are one of those people who's on the internet, who thinks that, like the media doesn't want them to play, please go, I don't know, do something, but it's, I don't, I don't want to be mean. I um, I also think that the people that those people are targeting, like uh, the Dan Wolken type people, um, there's not many of them. I think most people are just reporting what they're hearing. Um, but like it, the people, I think w what it more is, it's not necessarily, I just want to clarify this because I think people are wrong. I think people that think they don't want football are wrong. I think what's, what it is is they want to be right. And they've been saying for a long time that there's not going to be football. It, it's the same as being right about anything, Right. It's the same as, like, if Dontavian Wicks goes for 100 catches and 20 touchdowns, Brad's never going to shut up about it. Like, <laughs> this is true. Even though, this is very even so though true. Even, even though he's partially my guy. Perhaps um, the best analogy ever made in the history of the podcast. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but people, like, even when it, or even when they're pessimistic, like, when they, when the pessimistic thing that they say comes true, they say, see, like, you know, like, that's kind of what I think is annoying people. And they just don't understand that it doesn't mean they don't want football. It just means that they, they take pr pleasure in being right. Yeah, for me, like, you know, it's almost, I was feeling the same way. Like, you know, it's, we're mid-August. Like, right now I should be, I probably would have got my new tailgating tent by now. I would have gotten my parking pass. We'd be making plans for the first home game. Um, you know, well, actually, we'd be, if it was a typical year, I'd be, you know, confirming all my flight information for Atlanta and getting ready for the big game against Georgia Labor Day weekend. Um, but, you know, that's all one part of it, but, you know, those of you who attend games, like, you know, it, it's a big event. It, it's when you're a, you know, an adult, you don't get time to see your friends, football, college football. I see people I don't get to see outside of football. Um, and a part of like, I'm warning losing that already. Um, not to mention just, I found myself like, obviously we lost the ACC tournament, NCAA tournament. Um, and we're coming out, you know, we should in a typical year, we'll be coming out of the summer doldrum about to play football, but, I can already feel myself, even from missing those tournaments. Like it's not just the joy of watching Virginia play and watching other college football. For me, when when Virginia's playing, it's like the emotional 
catharsis I get to have of being excited and angry and mad. Like there's nothing else in your life that can, as a, you know, mid forties, man, I can't run out in the street and like yell at some random guy. Like I get to yell at a ref or scream about something like (laughs) making a big sale. Like there's only one thing in the world you get to do for that. And it's missing. So, um, it's a weird void, like that almost juvenile to, to miss, but you know, at my age, but it's just something that I'm so used to. And like, there's even if they play, I'm not going to, you know, I'll be able to watch it on TV, but that, you know, being together with whatever thousands of people in, in the stadium home or away, like, like when does that come back? Like, you know, it, it's so, yeah, I'm sure many people are going through it. Players are going through a lot more. Schools are going to lose money, and there's going to be people who lose jobs. Like I understand all that's a lot more important, but even on the individual level, it's just so weird. And now that we're five months in, like we don't really know. Look, I, I understand why we had to cancel stuff in March. We didn't know anything about the virus, but five months in, we still don't know enough about it to say with 100% certainty if you do this, this, and this, everything. Yeah. Will come out right. Yeah. And that I think that's why you have to be cautious. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's yeah, no... I mean, if that heart stuff that the Big Ten is in their medical report, like if that turns out to be like a big deal, then that then you can't play. Like Yeah. That that's basically signing off unless you do all of those other things, like, you know, do EKGs and stuff to prove it. Because I know that uh, I don't want to mispronounce it, myocarditis. Myocarditis. Myocarditis? Myocarditis. That's it. Yeah. But yeah, so I know that you can like you can heal from it. It's not like a permanent thing or it's not supposed to be. Yeah, and it can be it, just, it can be it just but you, you can't like exert yourself. So if you don't know you have it, that's like a problem. Yeah. Like, and there are other viruses that can cause that too. Like it, right. that's the you thing. You get it like, from like coughing and anything yeah. like you know, all kinds of stuff. So for as someone who came from the medical field, I think a lot of people who are, are looking for information, you know, a lot of people want to be educated. So and I don't fault people for talking about it if you don't have a medical background. Like my medical background, I'm not practicing medicine or anything. Um, but like it's one of the things that the reason American medicine is so like renowned worldwide is because the amount of time they spend researching stuff to prove it. It's not a figured out quick system. You can't know long-term effects five months into something. Um, and so it, I think it's just frustrating for, it's, you know, we've in a, sat, you know, instant gratification society something like a virus that can potentially have long-term effects you can't know and i think it's frustrating for everyone but i also think you brought up a good point there at the end which is i try (laughs) yeah (laughs) the thing about not having fans i think and you know like I've, i've been watching nhl's bubble in toronto um nba bubble all these bubbles. a lot of them have been fine um but you have to remember like what you're getting so People are like, I want college football, I want college football. And I know that people will take what they can get, but at the same time, what you're getting is not what the normal product is going to be like. We've already had a bunch of the best players in the sport opt out. There could be more. Um, you're you're playing less games in front of no one. So, I mean, a big part of college football is tailgating atmosphere, the crowd, um, rivalries. A lot of that stuff is going to be different if you get it at all, it's going to be different. And now you have almost half of the major conferences in the sport not playing. So, you know, if, if you're desperately hanging on to hope that these three leagues can play, you're going to have to understand that you're getting like a very different product than what, you know, you're normally, you're not getting like 100% college football. You're getting like half. You're getting the games, which might yeah. be enough. And that that would be enough for me if they could do it safely. Um 
But I mean, because I like the sport, but it's not like, you know, you're not going to get to tailgate or at least not in a normal sense. You know, you're not going to get to go to games. You're not going to get to travel. You're not going to get to, um, you know, like the crowd. It's going to be an empty Scott Stadium, you know, when they play on September 11th. So, I mean, you have to kind of get used to those things and understand that, like, what you're holding out hope for is not what you're used to, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I think there, it seems to be, you know, I can't remember if we talked about it on the air or off there, but. Like there do seem to be schools in the ACC who plan on having fans there, and like yeah, because it's so such a state by state thing. I think you know, yeah, I know Florida but, State's planning on like twenty five percent or something. But but know, even that's to, gonna be like it's gonna be an echo, you know, like yeah, but it's still more than nothing, you know. So it's just the whole thing is weird. Um, yeah, you know, when you introduce twenty five thousand, even if it's twenty five thousand fans, most likely it's gonna be, you know, the friends and families of the players are gonna get in. Then you're gonna have them. Are they gonna we've talked about this before. I know like, are you going to keep that family member from coming to dap, you know, give their <laughs> dap up their cousin or whatever, or come see their hug their son. Like, like it gets a little, they hairy. have to be, um, they have to be a uh, long-term friends or whatever. Yeah. And then I think, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the NCAA today, like finally said something about red shirting, what it's a little, a little convoluted. Let's say if you played, 50% of your scheduled games. So I guess technically you could play five games in the ACC and still keep your red shirt um, this year. So that's going to become a factor if you do get to play too, especially for those teams who aren't playing well. Um, so, yeah, it's just, man, it's going to be, if it is, if we do play, it's going to be odd. If we don't play, it's going to be sad. Um, I mean, I know I said last week, like I was less optimistic last week than the week before. I think my optimism is about the same as it was last week. Uh, I don't think it's a hundred percent sure thing we we cancel because, but for me, <laughs> like the absolute worst case is getting to week two somehow losing to Tech and then the season being shut down. <laughs> that that I can't have that. I think the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario is what you just said, but on top of all that, the optics of like some major outbreak or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or worse. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, a, a, somebody I getting hospitalized or worse. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. But I mean, what I'm I know what you're saying. That's like the worst like football outcome. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I mean, like that's that's the risk that the ACC, Big 12 and SEC are running, which is, you know, like what happens if like they're on the hook for some crazy thing that happens and the other two conferences can say, like, see, you know, like. But I think that there's a lot more to this. And um i'm not like you know i'm not trying to say like they should just play because i see a lot of people on twitter thinking like this whole thing is just like not that big of a deal it's like that's definitely not true um if it was you'd really think the big 10 and the pac-12 would just throw away like hundreds of millions of dollars on nothing like I, i'm sure that they're the other leagues i guarantee you the other leagues the acc the sec they're not like a hundred percent in they're just like haven't decided to not play like they're somewhere in the middle, like, eh, maybe we can pull it off. They're not, they can't be feeling like great about this. So it's not like you feel great about it or you feel terrible. Um, but I mean, I, I think the whole thing is like, you kind of see each league is a little different. Each situation is a little different, but um, I kind of do understand the idea of trying to play because, or at least trying to like, cause you hear these things like the players for one, they kind of stood up and said a lot of them that they want to play. But also, I mean, it's not like you get that you play football and you get coronavirus or you don't play and you don't get it. Like that's not the two options. If it was, then we don't play, but that's not, the yeah. that's not true. 
And a lot of guys, like, if they go home, they're just as likely or more likely to get it. Or if they're not playing football and they're on campus like a regular student, they're just as likely to get it. Maybe they have better testing and stuff like that so you can kind of prevent an outbreak. But in that case, it's like, what's the difference between playing the games and not playing the games? So I don't think it's as it's obviously, like, just shut it down as a lot of people think. And I don't think it's as – it's definitely not as straightforward as this whole thing is a blown out of proportion either. Um, it's somewhere in between – and and the leagues are trying to navigate that. Two leagues made the call and decided that eh, it's not safe enough. And the other three leagues are saying like our medical people are saying it's safe enough to continue for now. But we know that it's not. You know, we're not saying full speed ahead. We're definitely playing. So, you know, we'll find out in the next month because UVA is supposed to kick off in a month. <laughs> One thing I want to bring up real quick, and and I'm curious to see what kind of discussion we have about this. So, you mentioned our medical people say da 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 right. I kind of feel like there's there's really there's two there's two major things driving a lot of the cancellation discussion, right? For the smaller leagues, we talked about it's the resources and lack thereof. For the Power Five leagues, it's liability, right? Um, it's understanding that you can't say, "Hey, we're going to have a season," if you know full well that you have a season and you're going to put people in risk, um, regardless of whether we're talking about, you know, whether it's you know. Um, a virus, whether it's, you know, playing in the middle of a thunderstorm, right? When you know that there's lightning and you got a whole bunch of dudes on the field, right? Whatever. It's all about liability. And I, I tend to think in reading the ACC statement and understanding what the head of their medical board said, you can almost like track it back and see them sort of building, you know, and this is a cynical sort of view, but walk with me, almost building a case for why, if they do play, why it's okay. Well, your honor, you know, we, you know, the league did its due diligence. We canceled the conference basketball tournament. We did our research. We, we, we put together a medical review board. We, we looked at the science. We came up with the best information we had at the time. But the information was changing, and we had no way to know that, and there was conflicting reports about this or that. You know, and we, we put in these protocols, and this is the steps we went to, and here's our doctor who will testify that this was, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can almost track that back and say the, the league is sort of, building a case in a way of why playing is an option. Now, if they find out like, Oh, um, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to pull some, um, thing out of the sky, but like when it comes to, you know, heart issues, right? Like, Oh, it's like smoking and cancer, right? Like, yeah, if, exactly. You know, if once you, you find some, out that smoking causes cancer, exactly. you can't like, and I think the hardest thing it. about this virus in general, beyond some of the obvious parts, right. is just like th that you can have these people who are asymptomatic and then have somebody else of, Similar age, similar, um, you know, sort of background and different um, circumstances who doesn't just get sick but dies, right? Why, why are those two things different, you know? And that's the thing that science has just not been able to answer yet. Um, I, I think part of, the, part of the reason the league feels like it can play is because it feels like its protocols are sound, um, but in hearing the doctor sort of make the argument, as we were talking about earlier, right, that um, a player who plays is not at a considerable more risk than a player who doesn't play just in the world. I mean, I, I think that is both commonsensical and also ridiculous, right? On the one hand, yeah, it makes sense to me that a guy who plays football is not any more at risk than somebody who goes to the grocery store. The difference, of course, is choosing to put yourself time and time again on a plane with a whole bunch of people flying to somewhere – you go to a thing with a whole bunch of people in close proximity and they getting on a plane and doing it, you know, nine more times that, you know, that season. So I get the 
consternation. I get the people on both sides. I hate that this is a both sides thing. This one of those times where I really wish nuance was was still a thing. But for me, and if it was, we probably would be playing football. (laughs) I mean, it's true. It's true. Yeah. No. If you're you're right. If we we really looked at it, we said, you know what, the NCAA tournament had to die so football can live. We would have been, you know. Um, I mean, it's it's just kind of appalling when you look around like the 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 world, right? And you like uh, I thought it was like it was like I saw this stat today. It was like of of places where there are fifteen to twenty five million people. It was like uh, these different countries, you know, had like eight or six or ten deaths, and then like China had like six hundred forty five, and the United and Florida <laughs> sure they did, and then Florida <laughs> had thirteen hundred and yeah, seventy yeah. or something. And you're like, holy crap, like. That's, well, that's like people like in in like Germany and England in the in their soccer leagues. They are, I think they're they're like actual legal like uh, their legislative bodies have to make like rulings, but they're close to allowing fans to come back, like not right now, but in like October, November, something like that. And you look at like, and it's not because they're they're taking a more like it's not that big of a deal approach. It's because they've beaten it, <laughs> like. Like in England, yeah. I looked it up the other day. They have not completely, maybe, but they had like in England, they, obviously a smaller country. They had like 850 positive tests the other day. That's it. <laughs> 850 yeah. in the country. Yeah. But, so it's like yeah, so you yeah, can kind of understand how they could be closer to doing something like that. Yeah. I, I think like I, I don't want to get off the topic of football, but I, I do think people are using that argument. And, you know, we brought it up here. I don't really care what's happening in Germany, England. We're not Germany and England. Like you're not going to yeah, shut down are, the U.S. Yeah. for three months. We're, we're not, not going to force island. U.S. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to force the U.S. to put everyone in the country in their house for two months, which is essentially what all these countries over there did. <laughs> you're not. It's not and going to happen. And a lot of these countries, and okay. a lot of these countries, wait. Germany excluded, don't have economies. All right, like, wait. Yeah, there's like, no, not like, no one's way. depending right, on wait, the German wait, economy, wait, wait, the English economy. Let's back up a step. Are you so? Are you saying that it can't happen? No, well, it's it, not. It, no, it's never going to happen. It's or, never going to happen. No, no, wait, wait. Here. Let me, let me, let me get the. If the, the U.S. did that, the world economy would collapse. It cannot happen. Like that's the problem. You can't have like Italy. You know, Italy had all their problems. Like everyone just skips over everything bad that happened in Italy, right? When they're bringing up Germany and England, and I know pro soccer is playing, like pro football, pro basketball are playing here. Like it, it's not that big of a schism, but you're talking about countries the size of like the Northeast of the U.S. Like. It's a much smaller population. Right. So even with, if you broke those with, countries down into states, right? If the state of California yeah. or the state of Texas so what, how or the would, state of Florida how would Virginia was a country, act after what four weeks of stay-at-home orders, which weren't even that strict. I mean, realistically, no other than get them to stay other than house. like the 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 Hampton Roads area in in recent weeks, that's tended to they flared up, and now it seems to be going down, and now there seems to be a flare up a little bit um, in some of the western part of the state. But like realistically. Like if Virginia was its own country, it would have been in a tough spot, but it would have been okay. But listen, I'm not I'm not trying to argue that like the the United States is in a different position. My point was is you were saying that like there's to me there's a difference between saying like Americans will not accept X and saying that like Americans should not have accepted X, right? No, they will not, and they shouldn't. No, I can tell you, 100 percent of the U.S. would not accept it, and no, they should right, not. That accept I, it. But, like, you but can't see, demand that of your public. But see, like, you can get away with that in a small so country. You this can't is, do that in a country the size of the U.S. It says says the, says the country where this commonly <laughs> happens, right? We don't yeah. know what to do, says the country, the only place in the world where this is happening. Like, I understand what you're saying, Dave, but, like, the whole idea that, like, well, we didn't try, so therefore it would not have worked is kind of preposterous to me. 
Like no, I mean it goes against everything. Like say we're getting on the political topic. Like that's not how the U.S. No, no, no. Like, see, this is not gonna... political to me. This is commonsensical to me. Like you're I think basically, you guys no. are on the same is, page. You're just coming at it from you're, a ma- you're making. You're making. Dave is saying like what's reality, and Brad is saying yeah. what it should. No, no, no. Be, he did, no, no. He said and they should. He, no, no. He said they wouldn't and they shouldn't. And I'm saying they wouldn't, no, that's but why they the absolutely US should. The U.S. man, like you, have freedom. Right, which is why a hundred thousand people are dying, or excuse me, a hundred thousand people are dying every day in this one place versus nowhere else. That, because Americans just won't accept, it, right? Like, no, yeah. I mean, look, you, you can give everyone the data. Like, the U.S. is just so. What, like, look, like it's very complicated. It needed to be done on a statewide basis. Like, there, Virginia needed when they stay at home order probably should have come earlier. Should have been a little more enforced, you know, enforced. But North Dakota doesn't need it, right? In England, you don't have, you know, in, in these in these European countries, you don't have that crazy diversity of, of population centers and yeah it's all done by everything. they're all on train systems yeah. like everything's i mean i so, went from the southeast yeah. or southwest of england to the northeast in two hours or three hours or whatever yeah. it was like <laughs> yeah so i mean i think you know you get in danger when you when you start using the u.s numbers as a whole because a lot of it's just a few states which did poor jobs mm-hmm. but again like you know that's what that's what makes america great is freedom people have freedom have the ability you know the freedom to be idiots you can get on them all you want, but they do have that freedom. Um, so it just that's comes the to problem. the head when you have like a yeah. problem like this. <laughs> exactly, hundred percent comes to the head. And look, I don't think they're right. Like I think everyone should have stayed at home, but also think like it's hard for you to be the U.S. and say if you leave your house, we're going to arrest you, because then you're not the U.S. anymore. You know. So there's a fine line. If anything, like if you're a terrorist, like forget bombs. You figure we. I know I've said that you figured out the way. Like, you know, but then also, I mean, like what you just said is kind of what I get. I, this is the kind of stuff that's probably coming up in these meetings where they're deciding stuff. And also, yeah. you're right. I mean, like they're like that. That's why there is such a difference between like what the Big Ten is doing and what the ACC is doing and what the SEC is doing. It's not necessarily caseloads. It's just like how they view the topic or like what they're sta- I mean, like if you have these quarantine rules, how do you play like you know, yeah. if if Massachusetts has a 14 day quarantine rule or if you come back from another state, you have to quarantine for 14 days, unless you're making an exception for football teams. I mean, how does Boston College play a schedule like yeah. <laughs> they have to quarantine every time they go on the road? Well, we said we were talking about on text right last night, like city of Charlottesville, you can't have crowds more than 50, but UVA is practicing with 100 and something. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think they have, to, they have to have some sort of like way around that or yeah, like, so, yeah, obviously it's not being enforced. You know? Yeah. So right now, like, you know. <laughs> You couldn't even have, like, technically in the state of Virginia without a waiver, you couldn't have a football game right now because you'd have more than 250 people there, um, you know, just by, you know, with teams and cameramen and everything else. So, like, you know, there's just the U.S., you know, y'all know what I mean. The U.S. government's just so, you know, so so many levels. And this this will be a lesson on how to handle things. Like, it was done poorly for sure. Um, certainly being in election year, like, added into it and you know we won't get into that topic but you know that it was handled poorly i, I think saying i think we might have already lost all those people anyway with the black lives matter podcast we did anyway so we probably <laughs> did um but you know I, I do think it's a little too unnuanced to say look how good europe did because they didn't do great either they just no, i mean yeah italy was in a terrible situation at first yeah. but then yeah and, you're right i mean they they kind of like completely shut down but i mean the only thing they make is pasta and cheese so yeah and i think know, we're everybody's doing everybody's gonna our, be fine <laughs> yeah and my That's last not soapbox fair, moment. but you know what i mean yeah no i got you i mean I, on my last soapbox moment and i don't think it's getting enough national coverage and it certainly applies when you start talking about sports is there is a huge and i can't remember if we've talked about it on there or not but there is a huge 
racial component to COVID. Like we, the like you mean like it's who's one, getting it? Yes, like so. Yeah. In, in the state of Virginia, it's like at one point almost forty percent of the cases in Virginia were Latinos. Like, and you know, you know, blacks are a lot more likely to get COVID. You know, to test positive. So it's so obviously in Europe you you don't have as much diversity you know as you do in the U.S. So that's some of it too. Um, but when you start talking about football teams where you know you know your minorities are no longer minorities when you start talking about players, you're going to see more cases if those numbers, if those trends we see in the numbers continue. And I think for the school administrators that has to be a big concern. Um, and I think seeing tonight they they want three tests a week now when initially it was just what three days before the game or something. Um, so your it's average tough football too because team. it's like, what is the purpose of the three tests a week if you're not getting the results back for three days? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. what's the purpose of that? And, and that's part of the problem. If you can do rapid testing, then a lot of these problems don't really aren't really that big of a deal. Like, yeah, well, the rapid I mean, or they're still a big so deal, but you can good. work around it, you know, like. Yeah. And we, we know the rapid testing that exists now isn't very accurate. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, you look at like <laughs> what's happening in baseball, like Juan Soto for the Nationals took like 10 COVID tests, failed five and passed five, like yeah. all in like a weird order. It didn't yeah. like not in an order that makes sense. So it just it's a very weird like. But the, Dude, that's I mean, the thing is like I can see I can see both sides of this. I can see the Big Ten reading like going, looking at all the stuff that we just talked about and saying, like, yeah. you know what, throw their hands up and quit. And then I can also see being like, we don't really know. Like, what if what if in a month from now, like rapid testing is like widely available or something? Um, and then we don't we didn't throw away like millions and millions and millions of dollars, you know, as a league. I think as a league, I mean, if it was me, like uh, to be honest with you, if it was me and I was John Swafford and I had to decide like by myself if they play or don't play, I'd probably hold. I would probably keep doing what I'm doing for like another week or two and then i'd have to really make a decision like because like once the students are back on campus which they are at three or four schools now in the league mm-hmm. you can you know if you start to see and that's what i think the end we talked about this last night but what the end game is the end game for the acc specifically is one of the other two leagues quits much more likely to be the big 12 than the sec um or you have some like the reason that all the conference basketball tournaments can't got canceled and people don't maybe not don't remember this now, but the reason they all got canceled was because of Rudy Gobert. Like that oh, was yeah, the reason. Yeah. Rudy Gobert and then Fred Hoiberg coaching on the sidelines with the flu. <laughs> oh god. That I forgot the, about that. We were so sure he was gonna get fired. Do you remember that? Going into that going into that day, there was like twenty cases in the United States or something. I, it was probably not that low. But it was not that many. And it was like, okay, this is starting to become a problem. But what we're going to do is we're just going to not have fans. And then we can play with not that many people. Yeah. And that was like, okay, that was the prevailing wisdom. Nothing's going to get yeah, canceled. Yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah, right. No problems. And then it was like the Rudy Gobert thing happened, and the NBA immediately was like, like we're not Nope, we're done. Dude, I remember and then being – the NCAA was like, if they're not playing, we can't play. And so that's, that's why you had the cancellations. And so I think what will happen with football with these other three leagues is something similar could happen where it's like Notre Dame has like – 30 positive tests or Texas has like thousands of positive tests on their campus and have to close it, you know, or something like that. And then they're like, you know what? Like this is, just isn't going to work. Like I remember, so. uh, I remember being at the gym on the uh, elliptical one morning and they were doing like a map and it was like two cases in Washington, one case in New York, you know, one case in Florida, 
right? Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, man, they're making such a big deal of this. <laughs> like, they got a map for like seven people, right? And 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 I'm 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 I mean, obviously, it's a it's a it's a serious topic, and I'm laughing because at the time I just was like, this is just preposterous to me. Like, why is there a map? For seven people or whatever the number was. This your electoral college, or- right? I mean, like- I was in I was in London the day that it became like a big nat like worldwide story because like Wuhan went from like a few cases to like thousands, and it was like okay, like we got a problem. And I was like going home the next day back, you know, to the United States, and the United States had a case, like one person, and the United Kingdom didn't have any. But we were watching the news and they were talking about it and it was so grim. And we were like, man, these British people, like their news is so bleak. Like, <laughs> why is it so bad? And because they had like an epidemiologist on, he was like, it is coming to England. Like there is no way we can avoid it. Like eventually it will get here. It'll probably not be that big of a deal. You know, they weren't talking about it. This is in January. Um, and it was kind of like, ah, whatever. And so we were like, man, that sounds bad. But then we kind of just were like, ah, it'll be a thing in Asia and not really that big of a deal anywhere else. I mean, how does seven cases turn into a million, right? But then it did. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, like, we, we were kind of, you know, it's just crazy how quickly things happen. But that's what I mean. People were like, how did those decisions get made so quickly? It's because one thing happened and then everything spiraled out of control, you know? Because in the NBA, the reason the NBA canceled was because Rudy Gobert played in close contact with people for weeks, right? So he could have been spreading it all over the league. So they could have had a league wide problem. And he also, he did that stupid thing where he like coughed on all the microphones or whatever. Yeah. That was, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. all right, well, let's how, let, how, like, what are the odds by the way, that the one person who like made fun of coronavirus got it? I know. Like, yeah. well, I mean, there's, that's, that's, you know, unfortunately that happened. Um, there's a lot more than one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, he was like the first, he was, he oh, yeah. was, he yeah. was the poster child for it. First, yeah. All right. We're at, we're at 50 minutes. So let's, let's, um, I want to get into some conversation about this. Um, first I'm of the mindset Ferber was talking about, this is what the ACC should do. I'm of the mindset that what the, what the schools should do, they won't do to Dave's point earlier about what Americans won't do. The schools won't do this, but they should do this. They should make everything online only. And we should basically create bubbles for players. Um, Because, I mean, let's be real about something. All right, let's just be real. Tuition is a significant revenue stream for colleges and universities. All right, I'm not going to argue that. So are sports. For a lot of these schools, they need need sports, right? They they need them. Um, And I think that... It's clear from the testing at different schools, as guys have been on campuses by themselves, essentially, that it's working. So you don't even really need a quote-unquote bubble. Um, what you just need is for basically there to be no students there. I, I genuinely think the only way you're going to play football is if the schools are just online only. And the guys who are there, are the, the, the athletes who are there are the only people there. Um, it's radical as hell. And I'm not saying that it makes a whole lot of sense in any other context, but I just I do think that the bubbles are the only way. Um, where do you guys fall on the idea of basically making college online only for these schools and um, letting players create, you know, basically live in the bubble that they're already in? What do you think, Dave? Since we're going, since we've been arguing all night anyway. Already, yeah, I mean, some some places kind of already have. Um, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I mean, it doesn't have to be all year. You can do it for the first semester. I mean, I think college, you know, when you get to spring sports, they're smaller rosters. You know, no rosters besides the football. 
Um, and honestly, no sport generates the revenue it does either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think the problem you have to look at is, again, the people who vote, ultimately vote to make these decisions are the presidents. And look, they're answering to a, a lot more people who care about the academic side of, you know, most of the schools in the ACC, at least, than the ones who care about the athletic side. So the downside to these universities is if the kids can be at home, not paying room and board, not going through paying the extra student fees and this and that, all of a sudden the value of their tuition doesn't make sense. Um, and it becomes a, you know, very hard for them to make revenue even after this is all over. So it, I mean, I do, I'm fine with it. I just think like we don't, it's like everything else. We just don't know all the consequences because there's, we've never seen this before. So, yeah. um, if college was just about the learning, then everything would have moved online by now. The technology exists. But, you know, college is about being 18 to 22 and learning how to develop relationships and, you know, and time manage and, you hey, know, build, become your own person. School's about um, reading and going to school and learning how to like, handle your tick, stuff. Right? And my kid is at home, you know, doing going to be doing that stuff on a Chromebook, which is an Apple dude is going to hurt my heart. Um, but I know yeah. I get, I get where you're coming from Ferber, no, real quick, no, I, I do to be, yeah. Ferber, real quick, chime in on that so we can move to basketball and how we're going to save it. Yeah. Um, I think that your idea would definitely be the idea that would keep the positive test for football low and allow them to play. Um, but yeah, what Dave said is true too. I mean, I think that, and I didn't really even think about it this way, but, um, you know, somebody said it on Twitter. They were like, "Yeah, you think football brings in a lot of money? Think about what academics brings in." You know, like UVA has, you know, they can say like, "Hey, we took a loss in basketball," or uh, and you know, like I, I read an article. I was trying to do some research the other day on on what UVA's budget is like versus what they make and stuff like that. A couple years ago, I think it's 2018. Um, shout out to the reporting of Big Game Ron Counts, who is no longer on the beat. Um, <laughs> They they took like a I think a, like a three million dollar loss I don't know why I mean that they just fell three million dollars short of of wherever their you know expenses were so what they did was they borrowed that money from the school the school has billions of dollars with a B it's like not not like in cash but I mean that's what their you know endowment is they have a ton of money so when you don't have students and and all that and also UVA leads the nation in a, uh, athletic fees per student. So, which they're still paying, by the way, as far as I know, um, to not have any sports. Um, like, you know, when you don't have students, you lose a lot of money, like, on campus, too. So, I mean, I think that if it was as easy as, like, oh, if we just go online only, we can make millions of dollars off football. There, If they don't have anyone on campus, they lose millions of dollars in, in dorm fees and all that other stuff. So it kind of washes out if at best. Um I think the bubble definitely would make football work because what the ACC uh, medical person said was, um, and and it's true, like you don't have to worry about the effects of COVID um, on your football players if they don't get it, <laughs> because if you keep your if you keep your like uh, if you keep your football players bubbled up and there's no there's no cases, then you don't have to worry about the after effects of COVID. But I just think that there's just too many complications with college and this is why college football playing is, is so much harder than the NFL or any other sport because there's just so many other things going on. All right. So I just looked it up and I found this uh, report from the department of ed 
for 2017-2018. So obviously these numbers are a little old, but this gives us a good idea. All right, so total revenues, I'm um, sorry, um, post-secondary institutions, degree-granting institutions in the United States, um, their revenues in this fiscal year were $671 billion. Um, total revenues were 409 at public institutions, 248 uh, at private, and 13 at private for profit. Uh, it's got a breakdown of the percentage of their budget um, that is um, basically built on tuition and fees. Public universities is roughly 20%. Private nonprofit is 31%. Private for-profit is 94%. Um, so we don't know where the other, you know, how much of the other revenue is from sports or, or the whatever. But in, for a public school, 28% is, is in this, at least in this fiscal year, was other revenue. Um, the largest percentage was 41%, which was investments. Um, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, normally with the athletic money, that just supports the athletic department, and they try to keep them separate. I think. Right. Like, so, I, but I think that if we think about it in terms of like, um, in in terms of athletic departments, right? We know football has to happen for a lot of these schools because otherwise everything crumbles, right? It pays for everything. Right. I think it's also fair that we we can't know. I mean, I think that every year that there's like a new team that's like in the national championship conversation or whatever, there's always that story about how their uh, application surged, you know, 20% or whatever. George Mason. You know, yeah. exactly. And and UMBC. Um, and so I would imagine that there's a significant portion of, you know, let's just call it outreach that happens because of sports, right? Um, not just in terms of the revenue you actually bring in, but the future revenue you might also bring in. Um, the reason we're having that conversation, of course, is because we're trying to trying to get to essentially like, do schools need this? And I would say that primarily they do, even if maybe, you know, you can't point to it and say, oh, 27 percent of their budget is going to go out the window or excuse me, of their revenues. I, I do think, too, that as we look as we look ahead, you know what I think I'm going to do? We're at about an hour now. We're going to talk basketball next week. Um, I think that's a good tease. Um for um for the next show but in terms of how to save it and that kind of thing and who knows what will happen in a week between now and next wednesday um <laughs> you know um aliens could come and we probably none of us would care we'd be too busy well, we might we might memes. be completely on to basketball at that point you know, <laughs> that's true um but we haven't we have not discussed and we probably should discuss and maybe we will need to discuss next week why spring football is such a terrible idea or spring football seasons, right? As opposed to just spring football, you yeah, know, fifteen practices yeah, for sure. Um, because we haven't really had that conversation yet. You know, uh, I was looking earlier, and it looked like Ohio State is ready to to kind of throw in the towel on trying to play. I don't know if Nebraska's thrown in the towel yet on trying to play this year or not. But you know, it seems like the Big Ten otherwise is is really trying to focus on spring. Um, hopefully, conferences if they do cancel for the fall and are looking for spring will actually do their due diligence and make some actual plans. Um, this time, you know, where it does feel like they sort of squandered the last five months. Um, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up tonight, guys? All right. I always love yeah. you guys. Who knows where we stand? Answer it immediately. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we, I think we covered it. <laughs> I, think, I think that's, uh, that's it. If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows, we should be there. And if we're not, let me know because we should be. Um, and if you, you find us, uh, subscribing to the podcast is always the easiest way to get the show and you don't have to worry about, um, anything. And, uh, if you did that already, we appreciate that. If you're somebody who found the pod, hasn't given us a look at the website yet, check us out. Cavscorner.com. 
Oh man, what do I have on the site right now? Uh, let's see. Let's start rolling backwards. Um, I did. Speaking of the schedule, I did like three takeaways um, from the revamped slate. Uh, I talked to Sam Spiegelman, who covers um, South Central recruiting, um, to talk about three-star tight end commit uh, Jack uh, Whitmer. Um, Bronco had his press conference where he talked about the challenges of returning to practice and everything. I, I, I honestly, if if you can get in there and watch that video, that dude, man. Every time, every time Bronco just talks about something like this, you just get an appreciation for like how his mind works in a way. Um, he's a different kind of dude, but it, it, it's, it sort of works in this situation. Uh, Ferber had another film room piece, which I thought was really good about the, uh, the transfers on the offensive side of the ball. So we've talked about Keaton Thompson already. So now we got to talk about Ronnie Walker and Rashawn Henry, Shane Simpson and Tony Poljan. Um, so check that out as well. I did a, I wrote a column on, some of Bronco's comments um, from Monday is pretty lengthy, but I, I wanted to put some of his stuff out there um, for folks to read sort of in totality because I thought a lot of his points, if you're not going to watch the video, um, which was, you know, 30 minutes long, this was a good encapsulation of some of the things he was saying. And then um, today we had access to Clint Centum, um, former UVA great, who is now the defensive line coach. Uh, first time we've had a chance to talk to him because we didn't have spring ball. So, um, so he, he talked about kind of being back and his group and the uncertainty and everything. So check that out as well. <sighs> um, man, that was a mouthful. Um, all right. So, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber again graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate everything they do. So for Dave and – wow, Dave and Ferber. I almost said – I almost messed it all up. For David Spence and Justin Ferber and Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.